Welcome to the Guide to Existence, where we explore the mitzvahs of the weekly Torah portion through the lens of Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah and Hasidus. And as always, I'm your host, Gabriel Horan, and I'm very excited to share with you one of my favorite ideas in the Torah, and that is the mitzvah of what's called Sfiras HaOmer literally the counting of the Omer, and that is a mitzvah that is happening right now in the Jewish calendar. And it happens to be that we learn about this mitzvah in this week's Torah portion. So let's begin by looking at the Parsha, and I'll read to you exactly the mitzvah, and then let's try to get a deeper idea about it. Okay, so it says in this week's Parsha, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Emor. It says as follows, that when you come to the land that I'm going to give you, there's a mitzvah right after Passover to bring something called an Omer, which is a measurement of wheat to the temple. And this is the first wheat of the season. So basically, right, so... Passover is the springtime holiday, and then everything starts to grow. And then the you're not allowed to eat the new wheat until the, the day after the first night of Passover, the first day of Passover, this wheat was cut and brought to the temple as an offering. And then you're allowed to eat the new wheat. And the Torah continues, and it says, And you should count for yourselves the day after Shabbos. And this word Shabbos is the source of tremendous tension throughout these centuries. And I'll explain to you why in a second. So you should count for yourself after Shabbos from the day that you bring the Omer seven weeks, seven full weeks they should be until after the seventh Shabbos, you should count 50 days. And then you should bring a new offering to Hashem. And that's referring to, do you know what is the holiday that falls 50 days after Passover? So we're basically counting every single day from Passover until Shavuos. Shavuos is the day commemorating the giving of the Torah, which took place 49 days or really 50 days after Passover. So on that day, we bring a bread offering. And that's the only time that bread is brought in the temple. So now, that is the mitzvah of Sviris Omer. We no longer bring these wheat offerings or the bread offerings in the temple. But what we still do is we still count every day from Passover until Shavuos. 49 days of counting. And what, what is the significance of this mitzvah? What is it all about? The counting of the Omer. So there's a major issue with this mitzvah. And if we look at the words again, we'll see that there's a problem. It says, count for yourselves from the day after the Shabbos. From the day that you bring the Omer offering. And we know, according to Jewish law, according to the oral tradition, that that is referring to Passover. The day of Passover is the day that the Omer offering was brought to the temple. 
But there's a big issue is that the Torah doesn't say the day after. What would we expect the Torah to say? Start counting the day after Passover, right? The first day of Passover. But what does it say? Count for yourselves the day after Shabbat. Shabbos. What does that mean? Is it Passover or is it Shabbos? So there was a group of Jews back in the day known as Sadukim, or in English, Sadducees, who denied the oral tradition. They denied that there was ever a rabbinic tradition of how to understand the Torah that was passed down from Moses. And instead, they took the Torah at face value. And they made trouble for the, so to speak, religious Orthodox Jews, traditional Jews of the time, because they used to at every turn try to prove that they were right and that we were wrong. So we have a lot of customs today because of the Sadukim. Okay, I'll share with you a few of the customs that we have. The Torah says that on Shabbos, you're not allowed to light a fire. So do you know what the Sadukim did? No, they sat in the dark. Remember, they take the Torah literally. They used to sit in the dark, Shabbos, and they would eat cold food on Shabbos. So you know, do you know what we do because of the Sadukim? We have a mitzvah, every Jewish woman, right before Shabbos starts. Candles, to light candles. Why? Because we want to show that you're supposed to, there's nothing wrong with having light on Shabbos. You just can't make light on Shabbos. So we light candles right before Shabbos. There's another thing that we do is we have every Jewish community, whether you're Bukharian or Ashkenazi or Sephardi, has something hot Shabbos day, such as chillant or chamin or what do Bukharians have? Pluff, pluff or bush. <laughs> okay, also, <laughs> what is that? Okay, that makes sense. Sephardim have something similar to that. Many Sephardim have like barley and uh, no potatoes, just no beans or potatoes, just barley and meat, same type of thing. Okay, so why do we do that? Again, to show the tzedukim that they're wrong. You're allowed to have hot food on Shabbos. You just can't cook it on Shabbos. Okay, so what did the tzedukim say this mitzvah meant? They said it meant you have to start counting after Shabbos, regardless of when Passover falls out. If Passover falls out on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you don't start counting until Saturday night. And in order to try to get their rules passed, to make things their way, they used to mess up the Jewish calendar. They try their best to mess up the Jewish calendar. Let me explain something. Did you know that in America, how many days of Passover do we keep? Eight. Okay. How many days of Sukkot do we keep? Nine. How many days of Shavuos do we keep? Two. What's with this? Because biblically, Passover is seven days, Sukkot is eight days, and Shavuos is only one day. All right? Why do we keep an extra day for all the holidays? Not in the Holy Land, so what? Why should that affect when we keep the holidays? 
<laughs> okay, so you're gonna find out right now. So the new the moon, Jewish calendar is fixed according to the moon. When we see the moon, that determines when the new month happens. <laughs> Are you familiar with that concept? Okay, so the moon has to be sighted in Jerusalem by witnesses who then have to go to the court and declare that they saw the moon and then they sanctify the month. Why is it necessary for the moon, the month to be seen by witnesses, cited by witnesses? Because the lunar cycle, a month, right? The moon wrote, uh, orbits around the earth. How long does it take for the moon to complete a full cycle around the earth? Approximately 29 and a half days. That means that the new moon can be sighted on the 30th day. But it's very hard to sight the new moon because it only appears as a sliver right above the western horizon immediately after sunset. So there's only a short window of time that the new moon can be sighted on the 30th day. So therefore, the month can either be 30 days or it can be 31 days, depending on when the moon is sighted. As soon as you won't see it on the first day, then you'll see it automatically. If the moon wasn't sighted on the first day, then automatically the next day becomes Rosh Chodesh, the new month. So Rosh Chodesh can either happen on the 30th day or the 31st day. Every Jewish month is either 29 days long or 30 days long, depending on when Rosh Chodesh takes place. So because of that, because the sighting of the moon has to take place in Jerusalem, what happens if you live in Sfat in northern Israel? Have you been to Israel? So did you go to Sfat? Beautiful mountain city in the north of Israel. So if you live in Sfat, how do you know when Passover is? Or when Rosh Chodesh is? Rosh Chodesh is not so important because it doesn't affect you. But Passover is really important. So how are you going to find out when Passover is? So they didn't have internet. They didn't have phones. So the answer is, is that when the new moon was sighted, there was there were um, messengers who were appointed on mountaintops throughout the entire Middle East. And the moment the new moon was sighted, they would light a fire on top of the first mountain. And then there would be someone 100 miles away who would see the fire. And then they would light a fire. And then and in a matter of minutes, the entire Middle East was on fire. And Jews living as far away as Babylon, as Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia would know when the Rosh Chodesh was, when the new month was seen. So it was an amazing system, actually, right? In fact, it would work across the whole world, really, in just a matter of, not the whole world, I guess you couldn't get across the Atlantic Ocean. But like, the problem is, is that the Sadukim, these troublemakers, used to light fires at the wrong time in order to try to mess everyone up so they could make it that Passover falls out on a Shabbos so that they could start counting on after the Shabbos. Amazing. So because of them, they, the rabbis abolished the fire lighting and instead they sent out horseback messengers. So as soon as the Newman was, was seen, horseback riders would go out and they would ride for two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, they would arrive wherever they arrived, and everyone that they arrived at would know when Passover was. 
But what happens if you live two weeks away, more than two weeks away? What if you lived in Uzbekistan? And you know there were Jews living in Uzbekistan for for two thousand years, according to some opinions. It's crazy, all the way back to the Second Temple. So if you lived in Uzbekistan, if your great 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 grandparents were in Uzbekistan and their horse riders only got as far as Iran, so what are you going to do? You don't know which day is Passover. It could either be the fifteenth of the month or the sixteenth of the month. So you know what you're going to do? You're going to keep two days. You're not sure which day is Passover. The first days of Passover. And same with Shavuos. You don't know which day is Shavuos. And you don't know which day is, is Rosh Hashanah. And you don't know which day is, um, is Sukkot. And so on and so forth. So all the holidays where you're not allowed to do work. Where you're not allowed to light, you know, um, cook. and all. I mean, you can cook on holidays. When you're not allowed to drive to shul. Uh, on those days, all the Jews would keep two days. And therefore, the custom continues even today that we continue to keep two days outside of the land of Israel, even though we have a fixed calendar now. Okay, so that's that's the long story short. So the question we have to ask ourselves is if it's true that there's a mitzvah to count from from Pesach until Shavuos. And the mitzvah begins when? According to the rabbis. After, no, after the first day of Passover. So then what's the question we have to ask? What's the problem with the Torah? What's the major problem with the way the Torah said it? Okay, that's another question. Why do we count all together? But question with the, la- the language of the Torah. If the Torah wanted you to count after Passover, what should the Torah have said? Count for yourselves 49 days the day after Passover. Why did the Torah say the day after Shabbat? If it didn't mean Shabbat. That's the question. Who makes more sense? The rabbis or the Sadducees? Not really. It doesn't make sense, does it? The rabbis say it means Passover, but the Torah didn't say Passover. The Torah said Shabbos. So why in the world does the Torah call Passover Shabbos? You have an idea? No clue. Me neither. All right. Have a nice night. Okay. Let's. Here's an idea that I'll share. And I believe this teaches us the foundation of what the mitzvah of Sviris Omer is all about. So there are two different levels of holidays in the Jewish calendar. One is called Shabbos, and the other is called Yom Tov, holidays. And according to Kabbalah, according to Jewish mysticism, they're opposite energies. Shabbos is a holiday which is called an arousal from above. In Aramaic, it's called Isarusa de la Ela, an awakening from above. And holidays are called something called an Isarusa de la Sata, an awakening from below. What does that mean? On Shabbos, we receive something called an extra soul. We receive a higher level of spirituality on Shabbos. We receive a deeper connection to our true self and a deeper connection to God. What do we have to do to receive that on Shabbos? How do you receive the connection of Shabbos?
So while whereas although lighting candles and making challah is important, happens to be it's not biblical. So biblically, what do you have to do to hold on to the spirituality of Shabbat? Have a dinner. Okay, we do have a dinner, but but again, biblically, it's not again, yes, it could there's to rest, to rest. It's a day of rest. And how do you rest? Biblically? Not doing well, doing some things. You can eat, you can sing, you can walk to shul. Not doing what? Not being on your phone. That is what the Torah wants us to do. To turn off our phone a hundred percent. So even though there were no phones back then, uh, turning off your phone is the, turning off your phone is the most Shabbos thing you will ever do. Because I think Shabbos was invented just so that people should turn off their phones in 2022. So not to do work, malacha, not to do work. And the Torah defines work as creative actions that change the world. And that's for another time. But essentially, all you have to do to experience the spirituality of Shabbat is to stop working. That's it. When you stop working, Shabbat comes down and you are literally picked up to a higher dimension. And if you want to experience it, try turning off your phone and light candles and have make Kiddush and have a meal and make challah before Shabbos. But ultimately, if you just do nothing, just sit there, you are going to experience Shabbos. Holidays, and that's called an arousal from above. Hashem literally pours Shabbos into us. He picks us up. All we have to do is stop fighting. Stop fighting it. We just have to not break it, right? It's like you arrive at the most beautiful dinner with your with your significant other. And like the table is set. The music is playing. You have a beautiful view of the ocean. All you have to do is don't ruin it. The moment is there for you. That's Shabbos. That's called an arousal from above. It's literally given to you as a gift. Holidays are the opposite. Because we just explained, what does it take to make a Jewish holiday? Does a Jewish holiday happen naturally? <laughs> there is. There always is an issue. But literally, just based on the Bible, on the Torah, what we just said, how does, how does a Jewish holiday happen? If, if there were no Jews, would there be Jewish holidays? No. If there were no Jews, would there be Shabbos? Yes. Shabbos happens every seven days. Shabbos is built into creation, the seventh day of the world. It's a natural order. Holidays are not natural. Holidays are based on the Jewish people. Why? Because if I were to ask you, if there were no Jews, when is Passover? Why not? Why would we? What is Passover dependent on? We just explained it. Think back to the beginning of our conversation 19 minutes ago. Ah, no Jews, no Jewish calendar. And why do you need a Jewish calendar? What do you not know without Jews? Why don't you know what day it is? Because the Jewish calendar is based on the moon. And the moon, there is well, there is a moon, but the moon has to be seen. 
by somebody's eyes. When the very first mitzvah, the very first mitzvah given to the Jewish people in Egypt, do you know what it was? Sanctifying the moon. Declaring the new months. Essentially what God said to the Jewish people in Egypt is from now on you are my partners in time. You are my partners in creating the world. And he literally gave us the ability to sanctify time. It's not something that happens on a clock or on a fixed calendar. It's something that you need to be participants with me in, in literally seeing the moon and declaring the, the new month. So without a new month, there is no Jewish holidays. Without Jews, there are no Jewish holidays. There is no Passover because the month doesn't happen unless somebody declares it. So nowadays, you're right, we do have a fixed calendar, but that's not the ideal. The ideal is when all the Jews are living back in the land of Israel, we will once again have a temple and we will declare the new moon with our own eyes and with our own mouths. So Jewish holidays are completely dependent on us, on us doing something, on making Kiddush, on our, us sanctifying the, the holiday. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen. And therefore, the energy of holidays is called an awakening from below. We have to do something. It doesn't come down naturally from heaven and just pour into us. We have to actually work on ourselves. We have to do an action down here that then brings the spirituality. Okay? So now, now we can understand an amazing thing. On There's a debate. I've talked about this many times in the past for those of you listening. There's a debate amongst the commentaries about if there's an extra soul on holidays. There's something called Neshama Yaseira, which is an extra soul that comes down on Shabbat. And this extra soul is a deeper connection to yourself, a more, a more tangible spirituality that's felt within your body that enables you to connect through food to God in a deeper way that you couldn't normally do. It's a more profound experience of yourself and of your soul that exists on Shabbos and the Talmud teaches us an interesting thing the Talmud says how do we know that you get an extra soul on Shabbos the Talmud says a very interesting thing it says because the Torah says that God created the heavens and the earth on six days and on the seventh Shabbos v'inafash. on the seventh he rested and was refreshed and the word v'inafash is related to the word soul. And the Talmud says an interesting thing. The Talmud says, it makes a play on words. Shavas v'inafash, which means literally he rested and was sold or was refreshed, connected to his soul. And the Talmud says, you should read it like this. Shabbos voy of the nefesh. Shabbos came and ended. Oi, I lost my soul. And the Talmud says from this, we learn that after Shabbos, you know what happens to your extra soul? You lose it. It comes and it goes. Shabbos gives you a taste of your soul, a taste of your true self, but then it goes away after Shabbos. And a question that we have to ask is if the Talmud wants to teach us that you get an extra soul on Shabbos, it should have read the verse simply. 
Shabbos comes, and you get a nefesh. The word nefesh is related to the word for soul. Shabbos comes and you get a soul. But instead the Talmud teaches us that Shabbos leaves and you lose your soul. That sounds very backwards. To teach me that you get an extra soul on Shabbos by teaching me that you lose the extra soul after Shabbos. You follow? So I believe the answer that Talmud is teaching us is that the whole purpose of the extra soul on Shabbos is that we lose it. Why is it important that we lose our extra soul? Because there's a, there's a rule in Judaism that free gifts don't last. You get a gift, you're not going to really appreciate it. So Shabbos is a gift. We do nothing to achieve the spirituality of Shabbos. We lose it. So what was the point of it if we're going to lose it? The answer is it's a taste. It's a taste of who you really are that you now have six days to work back towards becoming who you really are. So that next Shabbos begins where last Shabbos ended. If every Shabbos you get a little more connected to yourself and then you spend the next six days earning it, working towards it, becoming who you really are, then the week after you're on an even higher level of self. That's why the Talmud says, if only every Jew would keep two Shabbases, not one, but two, then immediately the world would be redeemed. Because it takes one Shabbos to taste who you really are, and then it takes another Shabbos to be who you really are. That's the message of Shabbos. So the commentator, so it's, I'll just give you an example from real life. You ever experienced beginner's luck? You ever start a new class and it's like fun and easy, amazing, get a new roommate. You're like, oh, this is awesome. Everything's going great. Or love at first sight, new boyfriend, new girlfriend. Suddenly everything's amazing. How long does that last? Not long. It's like a day later, a week later, a month later, a year later. This was not what it used to be. It's no longer fun. It's no longer easy. It's no longer romantic. We lost the infatuation. And many people at that point throw away the relationship. Say, says, say the Kabbalists, that's a mistake. Because if the relationship was chosen for the right reasons and it's the right type of person, then when you lose the spark, that's really a message that now the relationship's beginning. Because until now, it was easy. It was a free gift. You didn't have to work for it. It was infatuation. As soon as you lose the infatuation, as soon as you lose the beginner's luck, now it's your turn to earn the relationship. Now it's your turn to do the work and make it real. That's when love begins, is when you don't feel it and you do it anyway. Because now it's a commitment. It's not based on how fun and easy and enjoyable it is. Now it's based on that I'm actually committed to this relationship or this job or this experience. So that's the message of Shabbos. Shabbos is teaching you that you get a free gift on Shabbos to teach you what you now have to work for. Okay? So the question asked by the Talmudic commentaries is, is there an extra soul on holidays? Do we get an extra soul on holidays? And there are a couple of different answers to this question. Some say, no, we do not get an extra soul on holidays. But others say, yes, we do. We do get an extra soul on holidays. But the extra soul we get on holidays is very different than the extra soul we get on Shabbos. Remember, the extra soul on Shabbos is a free gift, and therefore it doesn't last. But the, but holidays, we have to work for. Remember, we have to do something to bring the holiday. We have to declare the new moon. We have to sanctify it. 
And therefore, since holidays come about because of our actions, it's not a free gift. And the extra soul from holidays lasts forever. That means that the spirituality that you achieve on a Jewish holiday is yours to keep. It doesn't go anywhere. So going back to our original question, why is Passover called Shabbos? The answer, I believe, is that on Passover, the Talmud tells us the Jewish people were not worthy of coming out of Egypt. Talmud says that at the splitting of the sea, the angels came to God and they said, why are you allowing these ones to pass, the Jews? And why are you making these ones drown, the Egyptians? These worship idolatry and these also worship idolatry. The Jews were also idolaters. We were on a very low spiritual level. The Talmud tells us we were on the 49th level of impurity. There are 50 levels of spirituality, and corresponding to that, there are 50 levels of impurity in this world. The Jews were on the low, second to lowest level. They were on the 49th level. Had they waited one more day, they would never have been able to come out of Egypt. So God took us out, not because we, we earned it. It was a free gift. On Pesach, on the night of Passover, we were lifted up to the 50th level of spirituality. And then right after the splitting of the sea, we were dropped in the desert. We were dropped in the desert. We lost that connection. We lost that incredible inspiration of Passover. And what do we have to do now? Now we have to walk to Mount Sinai. We have to walk to receive the Torah 49 days in the desert. And what does that symbolize? That we have to begin to work on ourselves. We have to earn that spirituality one day at a time, so that when we finally get to Mount Sinai, we'll have now achieved the 50th level of spirituality. 50th day, the Torah comes down. Now we earned it. It's ours to keep. Get the idea? So Passover, even today, on the night of Passover, the the holy books explain that we have the ability to tap into spirituality that is much higher than our level. Do you know what the word Pesach means? Pesach? In Hebrew, it means to jump up, that God jumped over the houses of the Jewish people. But literally, it means we can jump to a completely different level on Passover. But it's a gift. And by definition, free gifts last. And therefore, we lose it. But then we're given the mitzvah of Sphiris Omer to count 49 days. Each day, counting is working on a different character trait. There are, according to Kabbalah, there are seven different emotions. And if we do a permutation seven times seven, we get 49. Each day is working on the different permutation of a different energy, of a different emotion, that we're literally trying to refine ourselves so that we can achieve a completely new existence by the time we get to Shavuos. On the day of Passover, we bring the, the Omer offering, which is a barley offering. Or we, it's a it's a simple offering. It's animal food. On Shavuos, we bring bread. And the message is, is that we have to transform ourselves from raw material, from wheat, from grain, to bread. We have to refine ourselves. Famous story of a of a Roman who came to Rabbi Akiva, and the Roman said to Rabbi Akiva, "Who makes better stuff, God or man?" What would you say? God, right? The simple answer, God. God does things much better than we do. Says Rabbi Kiva, man, 
Why? Because God gives us bread, wheat and we turn it into bread. The message is that God gives us an unfinished world. God gives us an incomplete, imperfect personality. We have to refine ourselves and work on ourselves. That by the end of our life, we've transformed the raw materials into a work of art, into a masterpiece. That's our job in this world. So that's the message of Sphere Omer. Literally, to transform. The word Sphira means to count, but it also means to shine. We have to take the Omer, which is this barley, this, this wheat, this, 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 this unrefined... Uh, Raw material, we have to call, make it shine. We have to refine it and bring out the beauty in it. That's the message of Spheris and Omer. One last point is that you would think our celebration begins right after we get out of Egypt, right? We're free, free at last, free at last. We're free. We should be partying, right? But the Jewish party doesn't happen at the Exodus. Because freedom from slavery in Judaism is just an opportunity. We don't celebrate freedom from slavery. Freedom from slavery on a numerical scale of 1 to 10 represents the number 0. Freedom from slavery means you've removed the negative, but you have nothing to to build it up in its place. We don't celebrate freedom. Freedom just means potential. We celebrate what do you do with your freedom? What do you live by? What are your values? What are you going to do with your freedom? And that is Shavuos. We immediately start counting up towards what we're going to now do with our freedom. The Jewish people were slaves in Egypt in order to teach us the value of servitude. There's no such thing as a free person in this world. Everyone is a slave to something. You're either a slave to your job, you're a slave to your society, you're a slave to your body or to your desires. The Talmud says, who's a free person? There's only one free person in this world. Someone, what? (laughs) Well, yeah, Hashem is the ultimate freedom, but only someone who subjugates themselves to God. Only someone who is a servant of God is a free person. Because only when you choose the ultimate master, the only master, and subjugate yourself, devote your life to spirituality and growth and serving Hashem, only then are you truly free. Says the Talmud, the only free person is someone who learns Torah because the Torah teaches you to control your body, to avoid the temptations of society, to avoid the values of society, and to do what's truly right. When you're connected to what's right and you do it because it's right, you're actually free. The illusion of choice is we think I'm in charge. The answer is when you have choice, then you're just a slave to what you want to do. When you subjugate yourself to a higher power, a higher authority, then you're free because you're actually choosing your value system. So that's the message of Shavuos is we're counting, we're counting up towards the next dimension of our experiences Jews. It's not enough to be free from Egypt. We have to now choose our value system and our mission in life and then subject ourselves to that mission, right? Uh, Anyone who wants to be great in life has to then throw away their freedom. 
for that thing. If you want to become a great pianist, play any instruments. Ah, excellent. You want to become a great pianist? What do you have to do? Practice. You have to say goodbye to art lessons, ballet, hanging out on the street corners. If you want to become great at anything, you have to deny your freedom for everything else. Say yes. Say yes with passion and commitment to that one thing and say no to everything else. You know what the secret of marriage is? Saying no to every other guy in the world. Greatness requires commitment to that thing. The message of Passover and of Shavuos is to become great. It's not enough to be free. It's about committing to what we really believe in and going all in. So in summary, Pesach is called Shabbos, and perhaps, perhaps, the Sadducees, the Sadduqim, perhaps the reason they believed that we start counting Memachras Shabbos after Shabbos, was maybe they believed you need a vacation before you start counting. You need a Shabbos, you need a day off. We were already slaves in Egypt. Before we subject ourselves to be slaves to God, let's take a day off. No. You don't get you don't get Saturday at the beach. Start counting immediately after Pesach. Because really Shabbos is not a day off. Shabbos is a day on. The rest of the day is a day the week is the day off. Shabbos is the day on. Shabbos is the day when we're really connected to ourselves and to Hashem. So again, in, in summary, Pesach, the Torah calls it Shabbos. Why? Because Pesach is like Shabbos, it's a free gift. We get on Pesach a gift of, of our soul. We, don't, we didn't earn it. And therefore, we lose it because free gifts don't, don't last. And then after Passover, we're immediately dropped in the desert and we have 49 days to count, to count up towards receiving the Torah, to count up to true freedom, towards to, to achieving our worldview, our mission, and our value system. And it takes work. But if we do the work for the 49 days, then, then, the experience we're going to have on Shavuos is going to be ours to keep. And therefore, we're going to keep the spirituality. It's going to be ours forever. So we should all be blessed to connect our true selves and to take the opportunities in life when we have inspiration to then integrate, internalize the experience of inspiration into our personality. You go on a trip to Israel, you're inspired. When you come home, do something about it. Don't just be inspired. Put it into your actions. Then, and only then, Will the inspiration last? They say, the Kabbalists say, the, the Hasidic masters, Kedushas Levi says that inspiration is like a soul. What does a soul need in order to exist in this world? A body. Inspiration is like a soul. If you want your inspiration to last, you have to put it into your actions. You have to put it into a body. Small, consistent actions are what last. Got it, Jaylene? When you put your inspiration into actions, you internalize and you integrate. So then the inspiration lasts forever. And we should all be blessed to be not eternally inspired, although that's good. But more importantly than being inspired is we should be on a consistent trajectory of growth. Inspiration is like a high and follow what follows every high? A low. We don't want highs and lows. We want constant, steady growth. And that takes 
taking the natural inspirations of life and internalizing them and then being ready for the next inspiration when it comes so that you can grab onto it. It's the problem. By the way, I have a whole class on drugs, which is the problem with drugs that drugs pick you up too high. It's an artificial high and it's impossible to integrate that into your personality. So we believe in natural highs and uh, just be ready for them when they come and use them to transform your personality. And then the high can potentially last forever. Thank you guys for listening and wishing you all a beautiful week, a beautiful Shabbos, and a beautiful Sphere Omer, counting up towards the giving of the, of the Torah on, high, on Mount Sinai in just a couple of weeks.